Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over 200 different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. I am so excited to announce that the Center Yourself This Fall Challenge is coming up. We start on September 19th, and this is an opportunity to transition into this new season with a sense of intention to help us ground all of this beautiful, playful, summer-loving energy into a sense of more cozy and focused and getting organized energy, an opportunity to come back into our bodies, and an opportunity to center the mind, and an opportunity to just feel really good as we transition into this new season. So to learn more, head to centeredinthecity.org slash center dash yourself dash this fall to learn more and sign up. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the two-week challenge. I am beyond excited to have Tony Schwartz today on the Centered in the City podcast. Today we talk about what it means to be a transformational leader in this day and age. We discuss the importance of understanding and being mindful of our energy levels. Tony also highlights how important it is to understand the centers of intelligence, that it's not only the mind, but it's also the body and the heart and the spirit. One of my favorite lines that Tony shared in this conversation is to be a transformational leader means that we get to grow as a human being. We get to see more, we get to feel more, we get to be more. Oh, so powerful. And I just was inspired by how embodied centric this work is and our discussion was because there is so much wisdom in our bodies. And a lot of the times, especially in corporate spaces, we look at everybody as just somebody from the neck up, that everybody is just on these talking sticks. A little bit more about Tony Schwartz, if you don't already know. He is the founder and CEO of The Energy Project, which is a consulting firm that helps individuals and organizations more skillfully manage their energy so they can thrive in a world of relentlessly rising demand and complexity. Tony has a background in journalism and has written many books, one of which is called The Power of Full Engagement, Managing Energy, Not Time, and The Way We Are Working Isn't Working. You can learn more about Tony in his full bio in the show notes. Now let's settle in to this episode and let's get centered. Tony, welcome to the Center in the City podcast. Thank you. This is uh, a particular pleasure because we go back so far. 
I have this huge smile on my face and on my heart right now. I want to begin by asking my famous question of sharing with us a time where you weren't centered and how you got back to center, whatever that means to you. So the time when I wasn't centered was my adult life, most of it. Um, you know, anybody who does the kind of work we do, uh, not anybody, but a very significant percentage of those who seek, seek first for themselves. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to figure out what isn't working in their own soul. Um, and that was true for me from a very early age. Grew up in a family, you know, that was, I grew up in privilege, but, uh, and, and my parents were very accomplished, but uh, I had a very dangerous mother. Why not jump in here right with you? Which, I love it. Um, I had a very dangerous mother. And uh, so I grew up um, really conscious of how to stay safe and how to protect myself. And, you know, that's a big job if that's a job that you feel compelled to take on. And so, um, you know, not feeling centered not feeling in my body um, was a very common feeling for me over the years. Uh, I think the more interesting question is the second one you asked, which is where, when, or how did you get out of not feeling centered or when have you felt centered? And um, I have had a remarkable experience of what I feel is growth and definitely um, greater satisfaction with my life and self-acceptance. Mm. You know, the greater your self-acceptance, the more likely you accept others. So I would say acceptance all around in the last several years, um, 70. So it's late in life for me to have gotten there, but uh, it's a it's no less welcome. And I would say the biggest influence on that, um, it, had, it has been a kind of a return to the body. Mm -hmm. um, so I moved from working in therapy over the years, pretty exclusively in a talk therapy kind of setting. And um, there's a famous line from the end of this Side of Paradise, which was F. Scott Fitzgerald's first book in which the main character's name, Amory Blaine says, I know myself, but that is all. And that is the way I think I felt for a long, long time. Wow, I'm full of insight, but it doesn't seem to change anything. Mm. And I now see this first, sort of the, the challenge of tapping into more of your essence, more of yourself with a capital S, it begins in some ways with self-regulating. Um, and of course, I know that you're a very serious meditation practitioner. Um, so that hasn't been the way I have gotten to it, but I share uh, the all the contemplative traditions understanding that um, 
being able to regulate yourself um, is like the sine qua non of building the richest possible life you can. And the opposite is also true, which is if you're not, if you're, if you're sitting in uh, a, a different neurological or physiological state, like fight or flight, anxiety, frustration, depression, um, it's not possible to be, um, it's not possible for you to tap into best of who you are. One way I put that weight is the more energy you're spending defending your value, the less energy you have available to create value in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's a zero sum game. You spend $100 on defense, that's $100 not available for growth. It's right. true in the economy, but it's also true in the inner economy. I love how you phrase that. And I, and I love that you really are emphasizing the body here about being connected to feeling your body practicing it sounds like acceptance not only with things externally but internally and that practice of self-regulation how beneficial that is to bringing ourselves back to center and i couldn't agree more yeah spectacularly so um you know how you feel is how you show up mm -hmm. and you know there are a variety of different ways that people feel across a day and they're correlated with certain dominant physiological or neurological states that you're in when you're feeling those ways and so where do you feel you know you don't feel in your prefrontal cortex mm -hmm. you think in your prefrontal cortex but you feel in your body you feel in your heart but you also feel through all of your body and um you know, for those of you people who are listening who are Enneagram aficionados, I'm an eight, um, and an eight is a body type. An eight is very, I mean, often, not always, but very connected to their intuition and to, I have a felt sense that dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. And to trust that is to call on another center of intelligence beyond the mind. Mm -hmm. You know, there are really four centers of intelligence. There's the mind, there's the body, there's the heart, and there's the spirit. Mm -hmm. um, most people choose up sides uh, pretty dramatically for one or another, and most often the mind. But to be able in this incredibly difficult and complex world to draw on all of those centers of intelligence is to change your experience as a human. Yeah, I'm so curious, Tony, when you work with these powerful leaders, like how do you get them to have some buy-in to invest in connecting to their emotional, spiritual self? Because it sounds like, you know, mental might be where their comfort zone is. And again, I don't want to assume for everybody, but like, how do you get them to recognize that there are other parts of the self that they get to work on and strengthen and that impacts their leadership. Yeah, so I'd start by saying um, with humility that uh, I, I can't consistently do that. Um, I would say that my experience, which is now decades of working with senior executives who continue to be mostly 
men and mostly white and mostly, you know, 40 or older, often 50, 60 or older, um, is that they're among the least introspective people I've ever met. Um, you know, you, you rise in a corporation, generally speaking, because you're good at doing things, mm -hmm. not because you're someone who reflects or who is, uh, you know, very connected to your emotions. So, you know, you're starting from a difficult place when you work in this environment. Um, having said that, my experience has been that the hunger for the same things that people who think of themselves as, you know, as uh, seekers exists just below the surface in almost all human beings. Mm -hmm. You know, the exception are, you know, psychopaths. They don't have feelings going on. But for the most part, if you prick someone in the right place on the right day, they'll bleed. Um, and I say that thinking of bleed as a good thing, not mm -hmm. poor blood, but that they'll be touched. They'll, they'll, you're tapping into the humanness of, of meaninglessness that um, so many people have isn't different. Maybe it's even worse in some cases because you have a lot of money and a lot of power. Because as soon as you have a lot of money and a lot of power, it becomes like any other addiction because it's a substitute. You know, it's a, it's a different way of defining your value. So you begin to define your value by your power, your money, all of that, your prestige, your status. And it doesn't give you what you are actually looking for. So all of this is to say that I have been stunned over the last couple of years. So I now coach maybe a half dozen uh, CEOs uh, at this point. And um, I have been stunned at how responsive they have been to some of the concepts that I share with them. I think part of the, the credit I'll give myself for it is that I think my probably most core strength or gift is the ability to translate what might otherwise be esoteric ideas into a very accessible, relevant language. That's mm -hmm. my thing. Yeah, so I think that it's your gift. And, and then I'm, you know, I'm a I'm a white cis male, six feet plus. <laughs> who looks like them for most of the time. So the fact that I come in so unabashedly and unequivocally willing to be in this space, I think makes it easier for them. But the big insight for me is that if you give people a way to feel safe in acknowledging what they don't have or what they're struggling with, they very much wanna do it. Mm. Okay. Well, I think that's really interesting insight as we, you know, one of the reasons I want to have you on the podcast, especially at this time, is we're stepping into fall right now. There's a lot of 
unknowns, I mean, as there are every day of our lives, but about, you know, what is this new working environment going to be like this fall? It's feeling different for people. Are people still in a hybrid situation at work? Are people having to come back to the office right now? And I'm curious, you know, knowing you have worked with leaders for decades, how can, what are some guides that you'd give leaders right now? Of like, how can they show up as a leader to help their community, to help their people transition to this new chapter? Yeah. I think to be a great leader, to be a transformational leader in an era of such complexity and such uncertainty and such change, the most critical thing to grow as a leader is to grow as a human being. Mm. So it's, I, the simple way I put it is, you know, see more and feel more to be more. And see more is what development is all about. So if you think of the about the way a child develops, and we know a lot more about childhood development than we do about adult development. Um, you know, a five-year-old, a 10-year-old sees more than a five-year-old and therefore has a bigger world. And a 15-year-old has uh, a bigger view or sees more and often feels more than a 10-year-old. But I, I wanna stay with sees more for this. Um, but when you get to adulthood, so 18 or 21 or whatever you call adulthood, um, the idea that you, should, that you should continue to grow, that there's room for um, you know, a richer, deeper experience, it's not really built into our culture. The idea is kind of like, okay, you, you know, in fact, almost the opposite happens, which is, which I would just say is about confirmation bias. You've spent all these years trying to define an identity. And then it's like, this is what I believe and I'm sticking to it. Right. So it's the opposite of growth. So I think the, the first thing for any, I, mean, I will say it for a leader, but it's true for all human beings. It's just that leaders have an impact on others that's greater. Uh, often than somebody who is more narrowly um, focused is um, it's the willingness to acknowledge what is true. It's the willingness to acknowledge, first of all, it's the willingness to embrace all of who you are. Mm -hmm. Embrace all of you are, who you are means for better and for worse. And to be able to acknowledge that and share that because it is true that when you can accept all of who you are or when you are closer to accepting all of who you are, you have nothing left to defend. Mm. And that's a transformational shift. And then you have the more energy to... Exactly, because most people spend an incredible amount of time and energy and mind space trying to figure out how to stay safe and how to prove that they're okay. So when you can accept that even these aspects of yourself that you may wish weren't so or that don't serve you or others well, um, 
are part of you. They're not all of you. It's like, I, I remember having the insight some years ago, um, which felt transformational at the time, even though it was a cognitive insight, it wasn't entirely in my body. The insight was every terrible thing that I've ever had said about me, and there were plenty, not terrible, but you know, every negative and critical thing that's been said about me or that I've said about myself in my self-critical moments is true. In fact, it's even truer than I can bear to tolerate, but it isn't all that's true. It's part of what's true. And even those parts of me that I would historically have said, those are, boy, I wish I wasn't that. I now, and this is in my body, this is in my felt experience, I now see as those parts have always been trying to protect me and defend me. And they actually have a positive motive, not a negative motive. Motive. They're ham-handed about it. You know, the, the things that you see people do that you're triggered by and that you're irritated by look like they have no good intention, but actually they have the intention to protect you. Mm -hmm. And so that's how you make peace with all of who you are, is that you recognize that these parts that, you know, give you, cause you pain are not full of malice. They're not out to get you. Um, and ultimately, you don't actually want them to run your life. You want, you want a, you know, a diff, uh, uh, you want the self to run your life. You want that part of you that is calm and confident and compassionate and clear and capable of dealing with any given situation. I'm going to go back to your word with equanimity. Mm -hmm. Because you can't win in every situation. You can't succeed in every situation. Not every situation is, can, be ha can be happy, but you can sit in that situation in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And when you're accepted, when acceptance is really the driving force, it really does change everything. Mm. So you're talking a lot about that child self, the defender self, and even your whole self here yeah those are the three those are the three primary cells and now i want to acknowledge that that's drawing on the brilliant brilliant insights of a guy who's not related to me but who is named richard schwartz who developed <laughs> something called ifs or internal family systems therapy which i think is let me let me be in my most extreme here i think is as brilliant a advance in understanding how human beings operate as anything since Freud. So to me, it is a transformational system. And his idea is that we, in the simplest form is, we are not a single self. Mm. We are composed of multiple parts. You could call it multiple selves, but not necessarily dissociative identity disorder, right. Right. split personality as they used to call it, but rather these different parts all of which operate within you, but none of which are you. Right. 
Right. Well, it's interesting because, you know, in coaching work, I do that with my clients a lot of helping them decipher, like, who's talking here? You know, yeah. is it is it a child need? Is it a is it your inner CEO talking here? Is it, you know, who, what's the voice? Because we do, yeah. when we pay attention, we all have these little different discernments in tone or in what we say or even in imagery of, like, who's showing up. And so it is helpful to understand all of the elements of self. Yeah, and to the other thing that's so powerful is imagine right now, you know, somebody who you're struggling with or a situation that you're in where you get angry or frustrated. And it's very common as that escalates to feel like, first of all, righteous, and second of all, like, well, that's me. The moment that you say, oh, and that you say this authentically, oh, well, actually, no, that's a part of me. You have created some distance between the part and you know, one part and another part. So that distance, that space allows you to de-identify, to not see yourself as all something. And that is itself a very, very helpful way to navigate in the world because there's so much that overwhelms us in the world we're living in. And it's so easy to think, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm helpless here or I'm, I'm so mean or I'm so withdrawn or I'm so incapable. And, you know, it's almost, I'd almost describe it as a vast relief to discover that, again, yes, that's true, but it's part of what's true. Yeah, I, I use that in my meditation practice of even just saying, oh, the mind is thinking this thought, right? And just to recognize like it's happening in the mind, but it, I, I am not my mind. My mind is not me. And those experiences are just, they're part of, as you said, the whole. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm going to go back to this thing you asked me about earlier, which is like, how do you talk to a CEO or a you know, very senior person who hasn't done much inner work about all of this? And um, the, the recognition um, of what I call the defenders, in IFS, they call them the protectors, but it's the same idea. The, the parts of you that you know, show up to kind of run your life most of the time, sometimes in good ways, sometimes in very, very destructive ways. Um, but those defenders are, this is one of the things I've discovered by doing this work in the corporate world, are very, um, it's very easy to get folks to connect with that, to resonate with the, oh yeah, I can see that defender. It is much harder and I wait much longer to take a person to this, this notion of self, of the idea that there is an, an, an essential part of you that is essentially goodness. It's, you know, it is unchanged by external events. It's not affected by conditioning. It doesn't act out and it's very wise, but most people have had so little experience with that self 
that it takes a long time before they can begin to even notice when that energy arises. And it doesn't arise and then stay, like nobody stays in that state, short of the people who are you know, using psychedelics during the period that they're on the psychedelics, you're, you're stuck with being not just a whole, but a series of parts. So one thing that I want to kind of just like tie back to what question I asked you around leaders and transitioning during this time period is what I'm hearing is a deep permission to be human. Like to be a transformational leader is like deep permission to, to be human. What you said, see more, feel more, be more. And how they can not only like embody that, but also be demonstrating those aspects in Absolutely. company culture. I just had an incredible experience. I've been working with a CEO for 18 months. I've been coaching the CEO for 18 months, but also working with uh, his team and his organization. And he brought together first his own team, which I've worked with for quite a long time. So let's say a dozen people and then all of their direct reports. So now we're talking about 35, 40 people total. And it was a, it was they, because of COVID, they had never been all together in the same physical space. And so it was a big deal. And he began the retreat by talking about his own journey. And even the word journey makes uh, some of these folks feel- you I know, love it. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, he, but he talked about the, the process of discovery, including the aspects of himself that actually people quietly complain about and just said it and acknowledged it and talked about how he had worked with it in such a way that the rest of the day, because of the contagiousness of his energy, everybody was open and vulnerable. And at the end of the day, there was a new, a new person who had joined the company literally that day and he, was, he had joined as the number two. Um, and he said, I just wanna say that this day was the most extraordinary onboarding experience I've ever had. That what people, what happened between people today in any other circumstance would take six months or a year or would never happen. So the, the, the free flow of energy, I like mm -hmm. to say, the free mm -hmm. flow of energy is essential to the optimal functioning of any human system. Mm -hmm. As soon as you contract, as soon as you have blockages, as soon as you are in defensive mode, you are preventing the free flow of energy. Mm -hmm. And that's where all the great stuff happens mm. when you have the free flow of energy. I love that. How do people, because you talk a lot about managing energy. So, and, you know, knowing you have your own introspection practices, how do you support yourself or, or your clients using introspection to help them notice and even manage their energy? Yeah. Well, 
So first of all, you know, the, we each have an infinite capacity for self-deception. Um, and when you were talking about, you know, that's your mind talking, it's not necessarily who you are. That's an example of that. So I go back to, you know, some of the things I said earlier about really cultivating an awareness that goes below the neck, an awareness of what you're actually feeling and an acceptance of it. The reason that we tend to be unaware of what we're feeling is that feeling bad feels bad. So we want to avoid it. Um, and, you know, it is another transformational move. Here's something I'd leave with your uh, listeners. A really powerful practice for me in the last five or six years and for my clients. When you, when you notice that you are feeling something negative in your body, start with your body, not a thought, but a feeling in your body. So you're anxious or you're depressed or you're angry or you're impatient. And you can feel the constriction. So, you know, my place is my chest is where I tend to feel it first, but people feel it all over their bodies in different ways. So first of all, it's a, it's a move forward to be aware, just to notice, but then the impact of being constricted or the impact of those negative emotions is that you, you, you don't think as well. You don't uh, go back to what I said about energy. You don't feel as free. You're not as literally as physically relaxed. And so you're impaired, you're, you're suboptimal. It is very powerful to say to somebody, oh, so you're feeling that tightness in your chest. Can you tell me a place right now where you're not feeling that? Can you tell me a place where you actually feel quite relaxed? And that is a, a, I'm using a lot of big adjectives, but I can't resist it. That is a stunning experience to discover that in the middle of the most troubled, tense emotions, there's a place of you that, there's a places in you that are completely peaceful, that are completely calm. And then what you get it's related to stuff I've said to you earlier, but what you get is a separation and you get, oh, yeah, there's a part of me that's really struggling, but there's a part of me that's not. And so for people to really, you know, I, to me, the, one of the biggest evolutionary leaps we can make, one of the biggest worldview shifts we can make is from a binary worldview to an integrated worldview, from the view that, it's, if it's not right, it's wrong. If it's not good, it's bad. If it's not better than, it's less than. Right. To a view that says it's all part of it. Mm -hmm. And the real challenge for human beings is not to overvalue one thing at the expense of another. So you think of something like uh, candor and honesty as a virtue. But if you overuse it, and you overuse it when things aren't going well, it becomes cruelty. Mm. And the balancing quality is compassion or care. Mm -hmm. So actually, it's not that you want to be an honest person or a compassionate person. It's that you want to be able to move gracefully between honesty and compassion. 
between work and rest, between confidence and humility in a way that allows you to be nuanced and to take account of everything rather than choosing upsides and getting into that mode of this is what this is my belief and I'm sticking to it because right. that's a dead end. Right. I love that. And what you're saying about finding that, you know, neutral or pleasant place in the body, it, it expands our window of tolerance. Like it gives exactly. us more capacity to then get out of that binary thinking to see the whole picture or to zoom out or see things from a bird's eye perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just think of walking up to a wall and you put your face against the wall and you go, because uh, you use the word space, you go, there's no exit from this room. Right, right. I can't get out of this room. Banging on the wall, yeah. Right. Yeah. You just take two steps back, you look around, you see there's a door over here, there's a door over there, and there are two windows over there. That's the window of tolerance. Yeah. Is that, hey, it's a bigger world than you thought, and you are much more than you think you are. Right. I love that. Uh, what an empowering way to to kind of leave us with, message to leave us with. Tony, where can people learn more about you, your work, your books? And I just want to say a quick of, I remember, you know, learning about energy from you and the way we're working isn't working and just revolutionary, like thinking about energy in a different way was so impactful for me and my own personal journey. So thank you for that. Um, but where where can people learn more about you or stay connected? So uh, our the main website, particularly as it relates to managing your energy, um, is called theenergyproject.com. And uh, the the leadership program that's sort of our uh, you know it's sort of our our main it's our the 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 most the deepest work that we do is through this program we call the reckoning. And the website for The Reckoning is thereckoning.us. Now, if all you remember is theenergyproject.com, you can find your way to The Reckoning through The Energy Project. But the, the core original work, which is now 20 years old, um, is, is the energy work and it's, it's on that website. Amazing. Thanks so much, Tony. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Centered in the City podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast episode. It helps to get this podcast into more people's ears, minds, and hearts, as well as think of somebody in your life who's a leader or inspiring leader who could benefit from listening to this podcast. Feel free to share it. Until next time, stay centered.